Well, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Center Point Fellowship, and I'm glad you're along with us for uh, this next installment in our series on identity. Uh, I was asked uh, recently why this was such an important series to me, and I told everybody, well, if you don't know your identity, you get things wrong. It's kind of the parallel to is this when um, I do a premarital counseling session for couples. One of the things that I always make sure of is that we go over a budget. And, I, and the reason why is I talk to couples about it all the time. If you don't know uh, where you're going to spend your money, everybody else will tell you where to spend it. Now, they won't go, here's how you handle your money. They'll say, you still driving that? You ought to go on vacation here. Why don't you live in this neighborhood? And on and on and on. And pretty soon, people are just going all over the place. Well, the same thing's true if we don't know our identity in Christ about who we are. All kinds of people have opinions about church. In fact, almost everybody has an opinion about church. Well, here's what you ought to do. You can't do that. You're not good enough to do that. Who said you should be doing this? Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about so far? Well, if you can't, then that's why you're here. Because I want to talk to you about a lot of false identities going around where we get misunderstandings of what church is supposed to be and who we are as Christians. So today, I hope you leave here greatly encouraged. Let me have a word of prayer for us, and we'll jump right in. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And Lord, if we don't know who we are, we're going to make bad decisions. And we're going to have people telling us that we're not qualified to do this, to represent you. We're going to have other people say it's none of our business, and we shouldn't even try to tell people about Jesus. That should be left up to the professionals, or whatever the case. And Father, today, we want to look at what your word says about who we are as the church. And Father, I pray that you'll speak and you'll move me out of the way because we want to know who you say we are. I pray these things in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Hey, if you need a pen to fill in the blanks, if you didn't grab one on your way in, um, please raise your hand. One of the ushers will be glad to bring one to you. So point A, right at the top of your outline this, when we talk about we are the church, I want to hit a couple of themes that are uh, said over and over again for those of us who are believers. First of all, that we are all priests that we are all priests. Now, when you talk about this, the Old Testament priests, the idea behind this was that if um, someone was going to be a priest, they were the ones who represented the people to God and represented God to the people. Well, Peter says this applies to all of us now. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You're a chosen people, you're royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Now, I read all this to remind us of this. What's real important here is that we are all priests is terribly important because sometimes what happens is inside a church, we assume that church staff people or ordained ministers, we're the only people who can play or we're the only people who can do real ministry. I know that this happened not long ago. It happens every so often. A fellow invited me to lunch with a friend, and uh, he said, hey, John, I invited you to meet one of my friends, and we were having a nice lunch and stuff in the middle of it. He goes, okay, well, the reason I got you guys together is, John, I want you to tell my friend about Jesus. And we hadn't even gotten to dessert yet, okay? I mean, and so he brought me in as a ringer. I'm the guy that's going to tell your friend about Jesus. And I said, whoa, 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 hold on. So we turned it around. I said, well, why don't you tell both of us how you came to Christ? And he did. And what difference that's made in your life? And he did. And I went, wow, you just did a great job of telling somebody about your faith. But he thought until then that I was the only one who could do it because I'm the pastor guy. 
Well, I want to break open the whole uh, understanding of that this morning, that I'm not the guy who's the church. We are the church. And it's terribly important we understand this, that we are all priests in that sense. Now listen to this. Through Christ, we can all have direct access to God. We can all have direct access to God. Because of Christ our faith in, and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently in God, into God's presence. Did you know that in the middle of the night, if you are worried about something, you can pray to God right there and he'll hear you. He's open 24-7 and you can walk right into the throne room of heaven in the middle of the night. If that's good news, would you say amen? amen. Did you know if you're worried about a job interview and you're walking into the interview, you can shoot an arrow prayer right up to heaven on your way in. That's what a lot of people call it. Just shoot it, Lord, help me out. I'm scared to death here. And that'll count because the Lord goes right with you. Did you know you have direct access to him on your way into the job interview? And if that's good news, would you say amen? Amen. Did you know that when you've really blown it and you've said something stupid or insulting or you have sinned and done something you knew was wrong, you can come to God and say, God, you saw that. You know what I said. You know what I did. Please forgive me and give me the strength to never do that again. And do you know that God will hear you because Jesus Christ made that way open? And if that's good news for you, would you say amen? Amen. This isn't just up to the high priest who could walk in once a year. You and I can all have direct access to God. You don't have to come to me for prayer. In fact, uh, as you'll see in these next two points, we can all do this. Point two, through Christ, we can all bring God's word to people. This is what I was mentioning a little bit ago with the guy at lunch doesn't have to be just me. We can all bring God's word to people, which is explain what God's done in our lives and explain what we know. You don't have to know everything, but each one of you, if you've had, if you've given your heart to Christ, you know why you did that. And you know what difference it made in your life. And God has taught you certain things since then. And that's what he's going to hold us accountable to. Listen to what Peter wrote about this. The same guy who said that we are all priests said this, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. And then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you you belong to Christ. If someone asks you about your faith, just be ready to explain what you know. You don't have to explain what you don't know. Explain what you do. That's not just me. It's not just John Schmidt explaining things to people. I love the chance to explain what I know, but you're the one with the relationships with people that I'll never have relationships with. And there are some people, they won't give me the time of day because they might have their mind made up about preachers or about people named John or about something else. And they're not going to listen to me, but they'll listen to you. We are all priests. Can we say this together? We are all priests. We all have direct access to God. We can all bring God's word to people and explain what we know. And thirdly, through Christ, we can all intercede for people. The job of a priest, not only did he walk right into the Holy of Holies and represent the people, he would take God's word to people. He would also pray on behalf of the people to God. That's what a priest did. Well, you and I can do that. Paul to Timothy, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. Did you know that you can pray for people? 
Now, there are people who will come to my office and they'll go, I need to pray with you about something because it's really heavy on my mind. Well, have you prayed about it before? And they'll come and go, no, I need to pray with you because they think there's better reception in my office. Okay, okay, that's fine. If you think that's true, then you can come pray at my office with or without me. But I can assure you of something. The reception is just as good wherever you are, anytime you call on the name of the Lord and you pray in the name of Jesus. The reason we have access to the Father, the reason we can walk boldly into his presence is because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He has filled us with his Holy Spirit, and he is wanting us to come to him. He loves it. We just read this. It, it, it pleases God when we intercede. I hope you understand today that your prayers for your children, your prayers for your parents, your prayers for your neighbors, your co-workers, your fellow students, your friends, God loves it when we intercede. I can pray, and you can pray. You don't have to be a priest to do that with an official title. And Peter says we can all do that. Paul says we must all do that. And so in representing the people's needs to God, we are all priests. Can we say that together? We are all priests. Now in there, in that paragraph we started off, it said Peter said that we offer spiritual sacrifices. Well, there's one passage in here that I wish I would have put in the outline. Can you guys put that up? It's Romans 12.1. In Romans uh, 12, 1, uh, the Apostle Paul is talking about this. He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. The priest would offer sacrifices. Well, we, didn't, we don't offer animal sacrifices anymore. Christ paid that debt once and for all. The sacrifice God wants, he wants you and me to surrender our lives every day. I mean, think about that. If every morning we woke up and said, Lord, I'm going to come to you today. And Lord, I'm going to make a sacrifice of my life. I don't have to sacrifice animals. Jesus Christ died on the cross for all my sins. That debt has been paid in full. But Lord, today I sacrifice my own selfish desires. I want your desires. Lord, I sacrifice things that would only make me look good. I want to make you look good. Lord, I surrender my day to you. Now imagine if we did that. Now here's a warning. Here's a false identity. I'm not qualified. I cannot tell you how many times um, we can say things like this. I'm not qualified. And we'll say, ah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not qualified to talk about Jesus. I'm not qualified to pray. I'm not qualified to do anything. That would be a big mistake because in the scripture it says it's not that we think, this is Paul in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, it's not that we think we're qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. Our qualification comes from God. Man, that's good to know. You know who qualifies me? The one who forgave me. The one who knows all my sins and loved me anyway. The one who knows how stubborn and rebellious I am and died on the cross for me anyway. The one who has prepared a future for me and is taking me to heaven when I die. That's the one who qualified me. If that's good news, would you say amen? amen? There's a lot of good news in this. Could we say these two statements together, please? We are all priests. Our qualification comes from God. Not from ourselves, not from a title, but from Jesus. And if we keep our eyes on him, life is good. I mean, you understand, if we get this wrong, we could be listening to people and go, 
if we want to pray for something, hey, can we pray? Well, you're not qualified. Why are you praying? You got to go see the pastor to do that. Well, you can go see the pastor. We'll be glad to pray with you too. Our staff would love to pray with you anytime. But we can all pray and we can all spread the good news. And we can all surrender our lives to Jesus every day. So we're all priests. B, we are the temple of God. We are the temple of God. Now, this is important too because if we misunderstand this, we'll get the wrong idea of why God has left us here and how he wants us to carry out his work. 2 Corinthians 6.16, we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. I mean, a wonderful understanding that came through Christ is, is that his Holy Spirit now indwells us and that we are his temple. We don't have to go to one geographic location on the planet, whether it's Jerusalem or any other place, in order to meet with God. We can meet with God anywhere. I mean, this is a remarkable concept here. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Paul says it in Ephesians 2. You'll see in a little bit, Peter says the same thing. If you open your outline, point one is taken directly from our belief statements. Sometimes people ask, well, what do, what do people believe at Centerpoint? How do I know what Centerpoint believes? Well, if you go on our website, you can click on Centerpoint Statement of Beliefs, and under those statements there, you'll find a statement about the church, and this is part of it. The church is not a religious institution, denomination, or a building, but is made up of all people everywhere and in every time who have surrendered their lives to Christ. I mean, the church is not a denomination, a building, or an institution. The church is bigger than that, incorporates those things, but the church is more. And I'm talking the big C church, the church that covers the whole world. There are Christians all over the world, and we're not limited to one place we can worship, one building, or one structure. We're not. And so we join together with brothers and sisters all over the world who have given their lives to Christ all throughout the centuries. When Jesus was having a conversation one day with a woman at a well who was a Samaritan, here's what she said. Sir, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it's here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? And Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Indeed, it's here now. I mean, this is Jesus speaking. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There had been a big debate between the Samaritans who lived in the middle of Israel and the Jews who lived in the southern and northern parts, whether you had to, um, whether you had to worship in Jerusalem or you could worship at another place. The Samaritans worshiped at a temple they built on Mount Gerizim. And Jesus said, well, you're not understanding at all. I've come to make something completely different here. It won't matter where you worship. You don't have to be at a specific location. In fact, when Solomon built that glorious temple in Jerusalem, in Second Chronicles, it says that in a prayer to God, he said, the heavens can't contain you, so how could I ever think my building, no matter how splendid it is, the building I built for you could contain you? You can't be contained in a temple built by human hands. At best, it's just a place where we can offer sacrifices. And yet, many times we get the wrong understanding. Jesus said, for where two or three are gathered together as my followers, there I am among them. 
And it's really been fun for me to travel on different mission trips to different parts of the world and see where people worship. Some of them worship in church buildings. Some of them worship in living rooms. Once in Mexico, I was involved in a worship service. It happened in a, um, an auto mechanic, uh, in a mechanic shop, a car repair shop, where they took all the cars out and they cleaned out the whole place and they set up chairs in there and you had a worship service inside of a, a garage. And it was amazing. It didn't matter. And one of the things we need to come to understand is, is that Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. Now, this is important because there's a false identity that can go on here, that the church is a place we go, not who we are. And if we're not careful about this, we can fall into this. Peter said, you're living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. We are the church. And when we gather together, we can worship God in a living room. We can worship God in a hotel conference center, in a gymnasium, in a storefront, anywhere God's people gather together. It was never made clear to me how strong this point was. And a few years ago, when a tornado went through uh, northern Alabama, just destroying all kinds of homes and businesses, and there was a church building that had uh, been knocked down, and the reporter on the news was interviewing the pastor, and it was on a Saturday evening. And she said, well, how do you feel knowing, you know, and how's your congregation handling this, knowing that your church has been destroyed? And he had the best answer I've ever heard. He said, what are you talking about? Nobody in my congregation was even injured. We consider ourselves really blessed. Our building was knocked down, but our church is fine. In fact, we're going to be gathering for worship in that warehouse right over there tomorrow morning, and you're welcome to come join us. Now, was he right or not? The church wasn't the building. The building got knocked down. The church was fine. When I was a kid in Sunday school, we had to do this little thing with our fingers, and some of you know what I'm going to do here. You had to put your, lock your fingers together, and then you had to take your index fingers and point them up, and your thumbs, put them together like this, and you say, here's the church, and here's the steeple. You open the doors and see all the people. Because the people are the church. The people are the church. Will you say that with me, please? Would have helped if I'd have said it with you. Okay, anyway. Yeah, I was right and can't do two things at one time. Okay, let's try it one more time. The people are the church. Well, we're the people. I get asked probably two or three times a month, hey, when is Centerpoint going to ever build a building? I mean, you guys meet at all these different places. Well, it's not that we don't pray about this. We do. But it was important for us when we got this church started seven years ago to make sure we put the emphasis on the right things and that, that we the people are the church, not a building. And when the right time comes for us to have a building, yeah, we'll do that. If that's what makes sense and we can pay for it in a timely way so we don't have to go into debt and other things, we would love to do that. But right now, we don't want to stop and wait for that. We want to make sure we're putting the, uh, the right things first. Because we are the temple of God and the people are the church, not the bricks and sticks. And look, we, when I tell you about the guy in North Alabama, we all go, oh, that's right. That's because it is right. And you don't have to go to a certain place. I mean, think how great this is. When we start up extensions, we can start up extensions of this church in living rooms, in slap out, in we can meet at Whitewater Camp and there's some people meeting there today or 
and there are people that are meeting in living rooms uh, via, on the internet in other cities far from here. And they're gathering around this, and we're glad they can because you don't have to come to a certain place. We just have to be worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And if that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. Well, think about that. We're all priests, we're the temple. And finally, the third one is we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And when we're talking about this, it's real important to understand, too, that God has things for us to do. Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'll come get you. But I'm going to ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit to you, and he will be with you, and he will be in you. And what was incredible about all this, and Paul reflects on this, and Peter does too, but the idea here is that the Holy Spirit is working in us to organize us so we work together as an organized body that carries out the work of Christ. And they draw this parallel in a number of places here. Ephesians 1, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It's made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. And so Christ is the head of the body. And that's point one in your outline. Christ is the head. When we worship Christ and follow his lead, he organizes us into effective teams so we can reach out into a community. We can be his hands and his feet, his mouthpiece to speak his word to people who need to hear. Christ, who's the head of his body, the church, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Point two, together we make up the body of Christ. So I'm just going to put this here. We do this together. Can we say these two statements together, please? We are the body of Christ. We do this together. And if you want an emphasis that goes all through the New Testament, it's this, is that when God's Holy Spirit is working in me and working in you, he gives each one of us different gifts, and he puts different callings on our lives. But the whole idea isn't so we'll be identical to each other, but that we'll be compatible, and that we'll work together to carry out his work in our world. I mean, it's amazing how he does this. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Complementary, not identical. There are strengths I have that you don't have. There are strengths you have that I don't have, and God wants us to work together. Romans 12, Paul, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We're many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, then do it gladly. You see how God needs all of us together. People who are generous and giving, people who are serving, people who have hospitality. And this is wonderful when we see it come together. And this is true at all of our locations. 
I love seeing how God brings people together with different gifts and different personalities so we can carry out work in their neck of the woods. I mean, it's really fun to see it come together. People ask me all the time, well, how do you know you'll have the right people for this? I go, well, that's not a problem. Christ is the head. And we pray to him and we ask him to bring the right people. And he always does. He always does. But here's a warning. There's a false identity out there. And that's this. I'm not necessary. I don't have much to offer our church. Now other people, they can sing really well. Other people, oh, they can talk good. I can't, so I'm not worth much. And then what happens is we bench ourselves. And again, here we go. Well, my job is to attend and watch whoever is standing up here teaching. In this case, let's watch John Schmidt. My job is to be a part of the studio audience. Let's watch him. And the truth is nothing could be farther away from what God wants. God wants us all on the field. No one in the stands. We're all playing. I mean, think about this. We're the body of Christ carrying out his work, and we can all do this because he died for all of us. He called us all to be priests. We can all pray. We can all tell people about the Lord. We can. Our qualification comes from him. We're the temple of God. The people are the church. Wherever two or more are gathered, that's enough. So we're his body. We do this together. I mean, when the light bulb goes off on this, that God can use you and God can use me and he can use us together, I mean, it's amazing. I love it when people discover this. They lead a connect group for the first time and they have a meaningful discussion with someone afterward. They've had this discussion over some of the questions we have in here and other things and then they meet somebody for coffee on a Tuesday or a Thursday and they just sit down and talk and they share some things and pray with someone and they'll even email me and they'll go, this is the greatest thing I've ever experienced. I felt like I was really making a real difference in somebody's life. I go, you were. You were. We do this together. And it strikes them, well, John, you could have never had conversations because if this happens with a thousand people, you could never have all those conversations. You meeting people one-on-one, that'd be impossible. Right. But what if we do it together? Well, then we extend the reach of his body exponentially. Listen to this passage, 1 Corinthians 12. The human body has many parts, but many parts, but the many parts that make up one whole body make up one part, one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, well, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body was an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some of the parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we close with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so all the members care for each other. I want you to know that there are all kinds of people involved here every Sunday just for our worship services. Do you know there were people at our office here in Prattville um, stuffing these inserts into the bulletin jackets? 
They were doing this Friday morning. We have a whole team of people, and they are amazing. They do that every week. There's people who volunteer for that. You go, does that make a difference? Well, yeah, that's how you had something to take notes on this morning. There are people right now uh, watching babies in the nursery, teaching kids in children's church, leading them in worship that's appropriate for their age level. And these kids come home, and they're all jacked up about stuff. I get uh, letters and emails from people that go, oh, man, my kids love children's church. The people down there, my children are growing like weeds spiritually. I love hearing that. We have people who lead small groups. Um, we took a picture. I got a picture after the, uh, from one of our staff people um, took a picture of this young man this morning, uh, Jason, Jason and Tricia Horn's son, Jaden. He's helping with the parking usher thing, setting up signs that we have places for handicapped people to park. This is him this morning. <laughs> yeah, it looks like signs with legs, okay? He's a young man. Do you know that he can help? Why? He's part of the body of Christ. He honestly believes we can do this together. What's my excuse? I'm not qualified. We already talked about that. Our qualification comes from God. I don't know what to do. Well, there's lots of people here that are with you. We're part of the body. We'll help you. We'll help you figure this out. Here are a couple of questions that I have to... You can write some of these down in the margin or just think about these. Who does God say I am? Who does God say I am? What has God called me to do? Do you know I meet with people all the time? I felt like God called me into ministry 20 years ago, but I missed that chance, so I guess it's too late. And I go, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. In fact, if your heart started beating fast when I said that because that was you. You need to call me. You need to email me. There is work for you to do. Oh, we got work for you to do. What has God called you to do? He's calling you to step up to lead a small group. You're qualified. Qualification comes from God. Well, I mean, I can't do anything in the church. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, this would just be something in my house. Well, the people are the church. You don't need a building to do that. One more question. What unique strengths and talents or gifts did God give me? What unique talents, strengths, or gifts did God give me? And how am I using them for him? If I could encourage you today, God has saved us and given us new life through Christ. And the same God who saved us also calls us and gifts us and qualifies us so that we can carry his word all over the world. We don't have to get people to come to a certain location. We are the church. We're the temple. And we can pray for people ourselves because we're all priests. We get to be his hands and his feet because we are the body of Christ. Can we say these two phrases together, please? We are the body of Christ. We do this together. Man. You know, I think it's appropriate we're recording this on a Mother's Day. I, I can't tell you how many times my mom encouraged me. 
She would know all the gifts I had. She was so happy I went into ministry. My wife could tell you it was unbelievable. I mean, she was obnoxious about it, okay? My son's in ministry. Yeah, you've told us five times. Anyway, uh, that type of thing. But you know what she would do? She would call me. She would watch something I'd done online or other things. And she would tell me, John, God is going to use you in this. You do this well, this well, and this well. And then like a true mom, she'd also go, yeah, and you need to work on this and this too. But she believed in me. She said, you have a role to play. You know, moms are better at that probably than anybody I know. They see the potential in their kids. And they encourage them over and over again. So I think it's wonderful that we're talking about this on Mother's Day because this is what I think God would want us all to be encouraged in today. That we can all play. If you wanted a desire of all the elders of this church, that we would set up a a church structure where everyone can play in every extension of this church that we have. I want us to read these statements straight through, and then we'll have a word of prayer. We are all priests. Our qualification comes from God. We are the temple of God. The people are the church. We are the body of Christ. We do this together. Let that sink in. This is God's word. This is who we are. Would you pray with me, please? Oh, God, we got to get this. 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 Father, your word tells us that we can all make a difference, not just a few of us. We're not a part of the studio audience. We are the church. If the Lord spoke to you about anything while I was speaking this morning, just in silence where you are, we say, Lord, I heard you. If you need courage, pray for that. If you need to step up your game and volunteer for something, it's time, and you know it's time, then do that. If it just resonated in your soul that God loves you and has a plan for you, as I was talking and said, Lord, thank you. I needed to hear that today. Oh, God, I thank you for our moms who always encourage us. And, Lord, today I pray that you yourself encouraged us. You have great plans for us, and we have not, and you're not finished with us yet. We haven't reached our full potential yet. There's more. And I pray that we'll keep going. I thank you for the word, your word, Lord. I pray that we won't get our identity from others who tell us we're not qualified. I pray that we won't get our identity from people who tell us it's none of our business. We've got to leave this to the professionals. I pray that we will be ministers right where you called us to be to the best of our ability, that we will be the ones who pray. And our living rooms will be used to glorify you. That we'll speak about what we know. And we'll help carry the good news as far as we can carry it. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Lord, Christ is the head of this body, and we surrender our lives to him. In the wonderful name of Christ, amen.